Sci-Fi Guys, and this is that No Sci-Fi Guys show, just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with it. We are your hosts, I am P.S. McKay, on the run from the law, free for a crime I can commit, but trying to make right what has gone wrong where I go. Well, and I'm D.T. Cav, man, and, you know, shit happens, man. <laughs> I'm actually uh, on location with my son in Boy Scouts in the parking lot. So you notice the difference in uh, in the sound? That's what it is. I'm coming to you live from my truck. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I do. Uh, I've moved around a lot, and I have uh, recorded in probably a half a dozen locations. <laughs> Yeah, you're no stranger to the on-location uh, recording, are you? Gosh, I remember you from the barracks. I mean, would you even call it barracks? I mean, what, what would you call it? The the, the base? Uh, I was living in on-base housing. Yeah, base housing. I, I, I knew barracks was the wrong term. But, uh, gosh, we've come a long way since we started. Shoot, when was our first episode? Uh, I think it was almost a year ago. Gosh, uh, yeah, man, I'll we'll have to take. I'll have to go back and look at the files because, uh, yeah, we we need to do like a one year anniversary coming up or something. We kind of like we kind of blew that with episode fifty, didn't we? <laughs> well. I think it's great. No, it uh, is. It is. It's been yeah. a, it's been a fun fun year. Hey, uh, hey look, you know, way, that's for sure. Star Trek: The Next Generation basically had their own internal celebration when they surpassed the regu- uh, the original series with what episode seventy nine. You know. Yes. So where uh, they were diverted from going to the planet that Kirk had to go to. What was the name of that planet? <laughs> I thought episode 79 was, uh, wasn't that the one where they uh, go to Tasha Yar's planet and meet her sister? Uh, was it Legacy? It, I'm double checking. As well you should. Um, most toys, Menage of Troy. These are... So that would be 70 something. Huh. I don't know. Doesn't, I can't tell. It'd be around the very tail end of uh, season three, right? So it'd be either Sarek. Maybe it was Sarek. Sarek, Menage of Troy. Uh, I don't know. Mm. Gosh, now we got to figure this out. I don't know. Ah, uh, it was the episode before Remember Me. The 79th episode. Yes. Remember Me. Are you kidding me? That was a terrible episode. Huh. Wait a minute, where is that? Season uh, four? Season four, yeah. Remember that uh, season... Oh, I guess so. Remember that season two was like four episodes shorter because of the... Uh, oh, that's right, because of the writer strike. Yeah, I forgot about that. Oh... And years later projections. They don't mention that this is the. <laughs> they don't, don't mention that this is that uh, uh, that special episode. Not in the trivia on IMDb anyway. I know in the encyclopedia they do. Yeah. You know, I mean, it happens. 
Yeah, I mean, it opens up. Uh, well, we already said it. I already said it. So, anyway, DT, how are you doing? I'm okay. You know, I, I look forward to our uh, doing a a, a true uh, one year anniversary episode here. Um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go through the files and double check when that happened because I have the raw file. I mean, every single episode I have, I have the raw file of, and two thirds I have of the video. Yes. Ready to go, but. That's just so time consuming. Um, and it eats up so much data. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so Sorry. Much, so much data. Bless you. Um, anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, all right. Well, everyone stay tuned for one year spectacular coming up soon. So, and maybe, just maybe, we'll have a sponsor by then. Oh, shoot. I, uh, all right, well, this will be good pod. I was thinking my, my, uh, son is in a local uh, robotics team, right? For middle mm. school. And they're, uh, looking for sponsors. And I'm sitting here going, Hey, you know what? We're in a, we're in a, uh, this is a group of geeks here. I think that they would jive with, uh, those sci-fi guys.com. Well, that is a uh, that is a distinct possibility, my friend. So I'm thinking about the sponsorship. I need to figure out. I think we have two weeks to make that decision. So, well, anyway. I just did a <laughs> I just did a check on because I had I had originally started saving the the files when you would send them to my computer, but they suck up a lot of data. So. Yeah, I went back and I opened, and the one that we deem as the pilot says August eighteenth. No way, really? Holy crud! Mm-hmm. That's a Thursday. So wait, we recorded on a Wednesday. That's interesting. It might have been a Tuesday. Don't don't forget, it might have been a Tuesday night and just. Spilled over. Oh, it, it, you know what? That's what it was. Because of you being several time times difference. on the head. Yeah, interesting. Wow. Jumped right into it. You texted me literally a week before saying, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> you still do podcasts? <laughs> like, Maybe. <laughs> Oh, geez. That's hilarious. So. <laughs> but, uh, all right. Well, we'll have to figure something out on the off time for, for our next uh, our next episode. So, that's the yeah. third cop car that's driven by me today, tonight, just now. Interesting. I feel like I shouldn't be on holding my phone because I'm sitting in my car. But... <laughs> So, all right. Well, well what brings us, you're what sitting brings on. Us you're sitting on. Are you driving? No. Then you're fine. I know I'm fine. It just it's one of those weird feelings where you don't want to be seen in the car. Period. Holding your phone. It's just it, you know it's just that ingrained in you. With you know dealing with law enforcement. <laughs> Which, by the way, I can drive while talking on the cell phone. That's the other yahoos that can't. Dolphin and games till so you look away too quick. Believe me, oh, I've had me. I've had I've I struggled to teach myself not to answer texts. Yeah, you know, because you're I like, don't... oh, somebody's got something to say. Even even though my car will show me the text and I can read it, but I don't know what it is. But uh, as the cars have progressed. There's been less options to answer automatically. Like I really, I used to have one that had like already set like eight, you know, uh, texts that you could just respond with by pushing the screen. 
my current car has it doesn't even have yes and no it has like okay can't talk now call you later yeah huh interesting we just I think I think what they're trying to do is limit people's response in order to you know get the point across to the other person that maybe they shouldn't be texting you <laughs> it's possible it's possible I don't know. We we just got a brand new uh, Jeep for uh, Mrs. Mac, and uh, I, I there are so many features on these cars now. It, it, this isn't even like a special model. It's base model. Okay, we didn't we didn't you know ask for certain packages or anything like that. It's just what what was available. I feel like I'm driving a spaceship. It is insane with the amount of computers and technology, and I still can't connect my phone to the Bluetooth. Well, that may be, but, you know, such is life. Yeah, yeah, especially when your old car, uh, the oil catches fire. That was finally what pushed us to get a new truck. I mean, a new Jeep. Yeah, I gotcha. <laughs> well, needless to say, shall we get started? Yes. So what brings us together tonight? Uh, well, mostly it's uh, us having uh, uh, boredom and, and things in common. So. Yes, that's the existential part. But what is the task-oriented part? Yes, well, tonight we should, we really are planning to discuss uh, great sci-fi duos. And... So partners. Partners, yes. Not couples, duos. No, duos, yeah. And what, what inspired you for this uh, this, this topic? Uh, I don't know. We were talking about, uh, when we were talking about badasses, uh, you know, it was like a, we talked about some of the characters who are badass. It's like, you know what? Some of these characters aren't independently badass. I mean, they are, but they're very rarely on their own, too. So, yeah, you start looking about who are the great uh duos in sci-fi you know okay okay all right well uh i got a few ideas but since uh, strictly duos strictly yep. duos in yep. sci-fi fantasy and superheroes the the realms that we generally cover yep um they can be brought up from stuff we have talked about before or something Different. So. Well, do you want me to throw one out there just to just to get the party started? Uh, sure. Go ahead. You're scared. You're scared because I said that I came up with one that you're going to hate and you're going to get mad at me. This is not that. All right. It's a genuine one. Go it's ahead. Listen, Gimli. Oh, I was I was thinking of those two. They, yeah. You know, it's definitely the the, stereo, the 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 prototypical. I don't like you. You don't like me at first, but we have to do this quest together. By the end, we're best friends. Yeah, I was. Um, I don't recall it happening during um, the two towers as much as they were like best friends in Return of the King. Well, remember. But maybe it was the battle for Helm's Deep when things turned. Well, it's like I never thought I would die side by side with an elf. And Legolas goes, how about side by side with a friend? And he just kind of looks up at him with this, you know, moment of being touched. Like, he goes, I, and that's, I think that's really where it is. And then they, yeah. And then they start their competition. (laughs) Which was awesome. 17, 18. <laughs> just Legolas laying them all out. 
you know, and it it is they and and of course in the legendarium that follows it, uh, Legolas Lee uh, he takes Gimli to his home. Uh, like uh, Gimli starts a dwarf colony in the what is it the glittering caves behind Helm's Deep and they kind of travel together and finally when it's time for Legolas to go across the waters he takes Gimli with him the only dwarf to ever go west so oh Gimli just left his family well that's what they do dwarves that's what dwarves do no that's just what they do in Tolkien if, they just leave if, their family. If you get the ticket on the white on the white ship, you go. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Never been explained what is West Ireland. Really? Hey, that's what I've always assumed. You know, because I mean, that that's all supposed to be like, uh, you know, quote unquote Europe, and so to speak. So they go west, they end up in Ireland, maybe Iceland, and they start all them other uh, tales of fairies and elves and shit. Hmm. I don't know. Or maybe, reason, they go, maybe they go and settle in New Jersey. I don't know. Well, I was just, I was thinking, I, I interpreted it. The undying lands are in the west. Uh, yeah, I interpreted it as, as North America, but... That's they if you. That's if you so take Arda to be the Earth in the distant past. Right. Well, yeah. There's that. I know. I mean, I know Tolkien said this isn't supposed to mean anything. There's no deeper meaning to these stories. Don't interpret it that way. Now you're going down the dwarf hole. Well, I'm just saying. He he said that. Tolkien said that, and, and is it um prologue uh entry or the introduction to uh the fellowship of the ring that i bought um again writing it in the 30s yes i know no he wrote the hobbit in the 30s uh yeah i mean i it's been a long time since i looked i mean he wrote it i mean was he writing it at the height of world war ii I think the Lord of the Rings trilogy came out in the 50s. But I am not going to go do a, a fact check on that because we're <laughs> going to get sidetracked. We are. We are. Wait, wait, that's a good duo, Legolas and Gimli. Yes. Started off as an odd couple and became a, uh, you know, cr- uh, a super crime fighting duo. <laughs> Still only counts as one. Yeah. <laughs> I literally stood up when that Oliphant got knocked down. I just stood up and clapped. I mean, what else are you supposed to do when you when you see Legolas? Sit down and like not block the people behind you. We all got up and clapped. All right. Well, if everybody's getting that <laughs> cool, if you're the only guy, then you're an asshole. Yes, exactly. exactly. All right. So we've talked about these next two characters uh, in separate times. Um, but for me, it's always been hard to separate Han and Chewie. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chewie's not really Han's sidekick. Um, he does consider that he owes Han his life, uh, a life debt, but you know, there's a lot of loyalty there. They talk to each other, you know, like when they're uh, like uh, in the prep scene for the attack on uh, Moon of Endor, and you know, Han's like, oh, I don't have a command crew for the shuttle, and and Chewie's like, Bitch, what about me? And he's like, Hey, <laughs> I, I didn't want to speak for you, pal. And he's like, Okay, yeah. so you're in. But uh, you know, in in the five movies we see them in together, the original trilogy. Uh, Solo and uh, The Force Awakens, 
you know, they, they bicker, they work together. Um, Han is pretty awesome. Chewie is pretty badass, but they're even better together, you know? Yeah. I mean, when they're fighting on Maz Kanata's planet and Chewie's just <laughs> wrecking dudes with a bowcaster and Han's like, here, let me try. And he's yeah. like, yeah, I like this. Oh, I like this. Oh, really? You're cold? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or when Han is pulled out of carbonite and thrown into the dungeon and he can't see. And then, you know, Chewie just wraps him up in this big bear hug and is telling him all the stories and Han starts going <laughs> off. He's like, hey, everybody's getting delusions of grandeur. And Chewie just gives him this huge hug. He's like, I'm all, I'm all right, pal. It's all choked up and shit. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say as a young as a young child seeing that scene after uh Han had been unfrozen from carbonite, um he gets put in the, the the jail cell and he's still blind and you hear that you hear that growl and you're like that's a scary moment. <laughs> that's a very scary moment. And then you see Chewie and then it, it's it's great. It's a great moment. Yeah. But I mean you see the the rage and pain that Chewie has when he watches Kylo Ren kill Han and he puts a you know bowcaster bolt right through this kid who he probably helped raise. Yeah. Uh that's a good point. And again, this always leads to one of the biggest complaints about The Force Awakens. Why the fuck doesn't Leia hug Chewbacca? Why does she <laughs> hug Ray? It makes absolutely no sense. She has no idea who she is. Even if she can tell through the Force, hug Chewie. That's because the writer is a hack. Yes, that was that was a complete crime. <laughs> it absolutely was. I remember sitting in the theater seeing that moment. I'm like, what in the hell? Like, just, and was it Robot Chicken even made it more apparent where uh, uh, they recreate this scene and Chewie gets out and he's about to hug Leia and Leia's like, get away from me, you stupid. And then she hugs Ray. Oh, Ray. Like, it was uh, very apt. I'll just say that. I mean, When you picture the Millennium Falcon, do you just picture Han Solo alone? Uh-uh. No. No. It's all, oh, Chewie's always there, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. I mean, they're, they're, a, they're a more complete person together. Yeah. So it's hard to argue Han and Chewie. And I mean, if if you want to dovetail great duos in in sci-fi, it, it might be hard to beat the original odd couple of R two D two and C three PO. Yeah, I was just gonna say, do we bring that up now or later? We should just bring it up now. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, they're basically the corollary, right? Well, the chorus. The Greek chorus. Yeah, you're going you're going a different route than I, I was gonna say. I was gonna say like they're the anti duo in comparison to what Han and Chewie were. True. Like but... Han Han's this gruff um exterior of a man, whereas C three PO is this Oh no. You're playing the wrong message. Well, and that's that's the fun part because C three PO basically belongs to Leia. So, yeah. it's Han is always stuck with him. That's true, too. That's a good point. <laughs> always drives him nuts. And yeah. it, it's it, it's even better in the extend, expanded universe where, you know, in the in the legends, so to speak, when Han and Leia are married and they're raising kids together and, and C-3PO is always there. And he's always... <laughs> Han is always, like, on the verge of, like... Deactivating him. <laughs> That's interesting. I yeah, I got maybe 
think I got like 50 pages into the Heir to the Empire. And then I, I, I stopped. I think it was because I was reading it digitally. Mm. It just feels different when you read something digitally, you know? Maybe, but damn, dude. You got to keep reading Heir to the Empire. It is. It is. I uh, know. I know. It's one of those things I got to do. I got you. But, uh, all right. Well, I got another one for you that's not going to piss you off. Okay. You ready? Sure. Mulder and Scully. Why would that piss me off? That I makes sense. Huh? I said it's not going to piss you off. Oh. I'm prefacing these so that because <laughs> you're, you're bracing yourself. <laughs> if you're going to be a dick about it. I'm, I'm not. I'm. These are all good faith answers, right? So far. Yeah. Mulder and Scully, I got to say, from the X-Files, I know that there was this big push to have them be romantically involved, and they eventually did become romantically involved. I did not want that growing up with uh, of them. I just felt it was unnecessary and it, it was an unnecessary complication to their to their relationship. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I mean she, she was a healthy dose of skepticism to his I'm just going to believe everything I I think is out here. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not recreating the wheel here with that observation, of course, but. <laughs> no. Is it true that they. Uh, that the two actors didn't get along? I don't know, actually. They got along enough to be able to reprise their roles in 2008 for I Want to Believe, and then in. 2016 for um, those next two seasons. Well, fair enough. So, I mean, if you hated if you hated someone that much, would you really want to get back to that? I wouldn't think so, but I, I wouldn't. I mean, I guess it just depends on what's the price, right? Which I've never been. I've never. What a problem to have. You you you're offered so much money. You actually have to reconsider being miserable with someone you don't like. Yeah. <laughs> All unsubstantiated conjecture, by the way. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Did you watch the X Files uh, religiously like I did? I don't think I we ever not. really talked about it. I did not, and it's it just. I guess when it was starting to come out, I was trying to do things on Friday night. I mean, I didn't always. Um, <laughs> a lot, actually. But in all fairness, I, I'd seen a few episodes, and I, I enjoyed them. It just wasn't something I was looking to dive into at the time. Um, right. So, I mean, I, I thoroughly respect what they were, what they were putting out there. You know, but I just did. I just didn't get into it. Yeah, I mean, they were on on Fridays for like the first three seasons, I think, and then they went to Sundays, which made it easier for me to be able to watch. Seasons they were on Fridays. I don't know, but it was something like that. But yeah, no, I got, I got, yeah, I, I didn't start hanging out with friends on on Friday nights until I had a car. Well, that makes sense. So, <laughs> but there were, there were quite a few weekend nights. I'm just sitting there by myself like, all right, well, what's on the five cable stations that I have? <laughs> what a different time. So, fair, fair enough. I got one more for you. Yes. 
uh, Briscoe County Jr. and Lord Bowler. Uh, yeah, I was going to get in on that one. Oh, you were. Uh, sorry. Didn't, wanna, didn't mean to jump that one. But, well, uh, I was we needed... reminded of it because Briscoe was on Friday nights with the X-Files. So. <laughs> well, and I mean, it's, it's hard to top uh, Briscoe and Bowler. No. <laughs> I mean, they were they were so funny. Uh, and yes, they, of course, they were also adversarial to start with. And then they end up becoming begrudging, working together on numerous occasions before finally they just end up working together and then they become friends and mm -hmm. becomes important for them, you know, at the end, you know. Briscoe and Bowler, it just rolls off the tongue together. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. And Briscoe is this basically this homeless bum, really. I mean, he's he lives, you know, he gives most of his uh, paycheck away to Bowler, you know, early in the seasons in order to get help bringing in one of Bly's gangs or something like that. Uh huh. So he. I mean, he's a bit more, uh, I wouldn't call him a, a homeless bum, but he's hes definitely doesn't. Uh, he's a Harvard-educated lawyer, right? He is, and but he he's, I think, at times it seems more at home in the saddle. And then when well, they yeah. and when they ask to hide out at Bowler's house, he's got this mansion with this old white English butler and... <laughs> That's I mean, it's awesome. like it's like the complete opposite, you know, and it's it's kind of funny because bowlers, you know, it, it kind of flips everything on its head. And for the most part, Briscoe doesn't really play on the race thing. Yeah. But it was always kind of fun to see that the Harvard educated lawyer is the one living in the back of old you know, or above bars or hotels and you know the the poor uh you know black kid who now he said he was part what cherokee or something like that yes uh, i don't know if it's cherokee it could have been but it was definitely part native american right N neither one uh typically to rise high society in the 19th century and what does he have he's got this big ass townhouse you know in san francisco with a old old white guy working for him an old british butler <laughs> who doesn't seem to you know, who seems to like has no problem working for the man so no hey but butler's got a bottle yeah and but the, it's funny, they've got, especially like later on when they start to be able to tease each other, you know, one of the episodes where they're talking about, it was after they, they caught Bly's gang, it was one of the last episodes, and they're like, so uh, who, was, who was the smartest guy we faced, and who was the most dangerous guy, and who was, you know, because they're, they're like, they took Bly out, and they're like, who are all these? And then like, who are the dumbest? And they just look at each other and they laugh and they go to the swills. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, they, they had a good uh, duo. Um, yeah. They, they, they were very um, in sync mentally. Well, and yeah. complimentary too. Absolutely, yes. Well, that was a good one. I like that one. That's good. <laughs> Still counts as one. <laughs> you know, and while we we didn't quite do our 2D2 and C-3PO justice, just to be fair, um, the fact that you have the prissy one who you can completely understand and then the one who's like the real brains of the operation is this mm -hmm. trash can on wheels. <laughs> this is true. And they're all they're in everything. They're always doing something, at least in, for the most part, the first six movies. Uh, 
This, yeah, yeah. And I, I will be honest with you. So. Another thing that bothered me about the Rise of Skywalker was the the screw job they gave C three PO. I've only he, seen the movie once. Remind me. Remember when they need him to go read the Sith uh, language, which oh, is forbidden, yeah. and they're basically realizing that they have to like overwrite his whole program. He kind of looks around at like Ray, Poe, and Finn, and like R2, and he's like, you know, he kind of has like this little moment where he gives this little heart spelled speech, where he's like, you know, I give this free, you know, basically he's like, I give myself freely to the cause, and you know, you guys have all been my friends, and then they flip the switch, and his eyeballs turn red, and at the very end of the movie, you know, R2's all bummed, because everybody's celebrating, and C-3PO is like, not, and then somebody's like, oh yeah, well, here's a backup copy of him, and they reboot him. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, he lost like a week or something, maybe. Okay, so it it completely undersells the hero sacrifice that C3PO is willing to do. Gotcha. Okay, so it was a meaningless meaningless gesture. Right, and it gives him actually heartfelt things to say, you know, like the most substantial. Uh, dialogue the character gets in the entire nine movies. And... Oh, absolutely, absolutely. See, and we're gonna we're gonna diverge from justice this, for three PO. Justice for three PO, indeed. This is why I so, always felt that Finn should have died on crate. Maybe. And Rose never should have interfered with that, because after that, I mean, Finn was just around. Well. Yes, and we can get into the problems with the prequel, tri- sequel trilogy another time. Um, yeah, because that's I, never been looked at before at all on the internet. <laughs> 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 well, I'm going to go ahead, and since you took one of my two, I'm going to throw out what I assume is one of your two. Uh, oh, Gabrielle and Zena. Damn it, you're right! <laughs> Uh, you know me too well. Confound you. <laughs> well, I mean, it, Gabrielle kind of starts like this unwanted sidekick, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and by the end of the series, not only are they like best friends and trusted partners, but there's a lot, lot of people who seem to think that there's more, you know. There's a lot of subtext of, of a lesbian relationship. Right. But, uh, which I, I felt was... I'm Jay, and this is my hetero life mate, Silent Pop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we we saw Xena and, and Gabrielle fall in love with men, have deep, meaningful relationships with men. And I know nowadays it's, it's, it's a different world, but I felt that the... I felt that the, 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 the lesbian subtext was a little... A little forced, but uh, they could have they could they could have been played better. I feel. Yeah, fair enough. But they were a good duo. They worked very well together. Yeah. They were the best. I loved them. That was appointment viewing. I would stay up until two thirty a.m. on a Monday morning on a school night just to make sure that I watched that show. <laughs> fair enough. They were good. Um, you know, and, and they went through a lot too. I mean, I mean, Zena died. They both, they were both crucified. Well, didn't Zena die like twice? twice? Yeah, yeah. She was crucified by Caesar once, uh, and then, and then she and and Gabrielle were, I think they were killed in India. Um. I don't know if they were crucified though. It's been it's been twenty years. Well, but, uh, I seem to recall the final scene of the show being. I, I think Zena was not able to resurrect, and they see her spirit standing behind Gabrielle or something like that. Yes, the so the final episode. She Zena sacrifices herself on the battlefield in the opening scene. 
Mm. And that whole episode, that final episode is Gabrielle, you know, talking to the spiritual form of Xena as Gabrielle tries to make right what happened in Japan. Um, yeah, for the last two seasons, they went like way east. And uh, at the final scene, Gabrielle was on a ship by herself. And then we see Xena standing next to her at the bow. Um, and that was the parting shot. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that at least. But uh, yeah, they had been through hell and back. I mean, Gabrielle's the reason why Zena's son was killed because Gabrielle's daughter, Hope, wasn't killed. Gabrielle didn't allow Hope to be killed, the daughter of uh, Dayhawk. How many kids did Zena have? Didn't she have a daughter? Uh, she later had a daughter, <laughs> yes. Um, but the, okay, so that's the funny part. They died at the end of season five, and Ares takes both Xena and Gabrielle's body and places them in ice where they wake up they wake up 25 years later and Xena's and daughter is now doing her thing. Oh, you know, she's a war- warlord or whatever for the Romans. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got you. So, yeah, I get you, I get you. Well, oh, Callisto. 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 Callisto, um, oh, what does she do? She is born again through Xena. Like, what's it called? Reincarnated. She's actually the spirit of Callisto in in, uh, Xena's daughter. So Xena was actually uh, immaculately impregnated. I know. Yeah. That got that got weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think it's time to move on then. Well, okay. Um, uh, well, who do you have next? Well, I was going to I'll go with the other side of the coin, Hercules and Autolycus. Don't you mean Aeolus? Oh, yeah. You're right. Who's Autolycus? That was Bruce Campbell. The King of oh, Thieves. Yeah, that's, that's right. It was, that's why I was basically about uh, basically something re- written completely for Bruce Campbell by his friend Sam Raimi. Yeah, uh, and he basically continued he to appear Harris. in both shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Herc and, Herc and Eolus. That was uh See, they went through hell too. I mean, it's going to sound repetitive if we go through all that stuff, but I can safely say that neither one of them got pregnant. Yeah, they they went back and forth. I mean, didn't Eolus die and like they get like a mirror dimension Eolus or something at one point? I don't remember about a mirror dimension Eolus. I know that he died. I mean, let's face it. In in these shows, everybody died numerous times. Yeah. Eolus died a couple times. The first time, um, Herc actually made a deal with Ares. Um to bring him back uh, from uh, from the underworld. And then um, yeah, and then he did die for a long time and that, that forced Hercules to go on this wandering this, this meandering soul search for himself where he ends up uh, fighting with uh, alongside Gilgamesh um, and then he ends up in Ireland yeah, yeah. Um, so that was that was a fun story arc. You got to see him with Gilgamesh, and then uh, oh my god, who played Gilgamesh? Was it Worf's brother? Tony Todd. I think so. I'm looking it up now. Dude, we're going down the uh, rabbit hole there. So I know, I know, but I have to look it up now. Well, anyway, that yeah, that was a good one. I'll, I'll grant you that one. That was a solid contribution. I'm going to throw something out there that might be considered a little controversial. 
Yeah, Tony Todd did play Gilgamesh, by the way. Very good. You're going to hit me with controversial. Okay. From the Clone Wars, Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Hmm. I don't think it's controversial if you choose the Clone Wars version. But when you when you add them all together, uh, particularly, it actually makes a lot of this the stuff in Episode Three much more impactful. Which is why I think that that scene in uh, Obi Wan, where it flashes back to them dueling in the Jedi Temple, makes it that much more impactful. In Obi Wan, yes. No, I'd agree with that. I do. Yeah. But yes, most definitely. Um. Though Obi Wan and and Anakin were a pretty effective duo in the Clone War. Yes. And you could say that Obi Wan uh, that. Anakin and Ahsoka were a good duo, or that Rex and Cody were a good duo. They had a lot in that show. It's hard to argue. Yeah, I think that cartoon was built off of dichotomies. Yeah. I mean, you you can one learning from the other. Oh yeah, it was. uh, There was a lot of that. And I I thoroughly enjoyed them. Uh, but the way Anakin and Obi-Wan work, particularly later in the series, you start seeing more and more. Uh, you get to see them working almost like equals, particularly since Anakin now has his own Padawan. Right. Now, did... Okay, I gotta ask this because now I'm getting it. It's all jumbling together. Yeah. What? What did Obi Wan find out that Anakin was Darth Vader in the Obi Wan series, or did yes. he always know? No. Well, he knew he was. He he had heard Sidious refer to him as Lord Vader, I think, in those Hollow. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. But he didn't realize that remember he went right into hiding so he didn't know anything about Darth Vader right and Vader wasn't exactly like a public figure he was a a strike trooper basically he was the boogeyman yeah by the time of I think um, I think by the time of A New Hope he was kind of that boogeyman that people told stories about Mm -hmm. because there were people who knew him, like Leia knew who. It's like, oh, Lord Vader, only you would be so bold. And so, <laughs> obviously, word of his exploits had gotten around. Right. 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 Well, I mean, uh, I gotta figure out why. I gotta figure out why people didn't like that show. I mean, I can understand some criticisms, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed seeing that second meeting between them two again. And we have already talked about it, I know, but yeah, yeah. that was a very satisfying meetup, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And it was also one of those things where you talked about the duo in Clone Wars being the duo that you like. That's true, because one of the, my biggest complaints is in the in the prequels, you don't really see them very much as a duo. Like they talk about and they laugh about their exploits, but we never really got to see them together on their exploits. Well, and, and it goes back to episode four where Obi Wan goes, he was a great pilot and a cunning warrior and a good friend. Well, you don't really see that much in. Revenge of the Sith. I mean, you see a little of it at the beginning where they're joking on the lift. Yeah. And then when he's like, well, 
where they're joking before Kenobi leaves. He's like, oh, now it's your turn to go save whatever. He's like, no, 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 you, you, we don't talk about that. I was like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, all stuff that was off screen, stuff that we haven't seen, just stuff that we're supposed to accept. Right, which is why the Clone Wars was so important. And I think Hayden Christensen got that, which is why he went and watched the Clone Wars, which is, by the way, if, if we haven't said this, and I think we have, that is excellent. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I, I, I haven't finished it, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's, it's a good watch. I think I'm in the middle of season four. All right. So I have a question for you. Okay. Not that they, they're epic by any stretch of the means, but do you think that Boba Fett and Fennec Shand are a good duo? Huh. Um, they have all the hallmarks to be a good duo, but I don't think they're quite there yet. I don't think they've earned that yet. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, I mean, is that safe to say? I it just first of all, she's got a life debt. They don't joke, and she, I mean, she's smart. She works very well with him, but there's 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 a part to being a duo where you have to have like a certain almost telepathy in the way you think um, towards each other. And in a certain situation with each other, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And I don't see that here. No. Yet. You're right. I think more you see a little bit more of. At first, it's gratitude on on Fennec's part because Boba basically saved her life, and then a little bit of, well, let's let's just figure this problem out. Mm. Yeah. I got we got yeah. nowhere else to go, so let's let's just do this. So <laughs> oh, it's true. Uh, so but uh, that's a good question. That that was a that was a, a thought scratcher. Or a head scratcher. Thought scratcher, oh my god. I, I swear I just, I'm not drinking. Well, I think if we get a season two that's really more focused on Boba Fett and company oh. then then maybe we'll get more how's that that's the question do you think we're gonna get a season two i don't think we're gonna get a season two there's there's talk i guess we'll see yeah it just uh, just wasn't in hindsight it Throwing in two episodes of The Mandalorian from season three in there, trying to break it all up is just, it's rife with production issues at that point. I know. know it was. Um, but anyway, that being said, um, okay, I've got one. By the way, that was, that was a good, uh, Fennec Shan and Boba Fett, that was a good one to explore. Here's one. Data and Spot. Data and Spock. Spot. Oh, Data and Spot. Is this what you thought would aggravate me? Yes. Well, I'd like to hear your reason why, aside from just being a contrarian jackass. Because <laughs> all, all of ours, even the Fennec Shand and the Boba Fett ones, were duos we've seen working together to a common goal. And they were all, yeah. for the most part, partners, not a uh, owner and whatnot. Well, so I mean, Darren you need to defend you. your argument and have a real defense and not some bullshit reason just to think you can get under my skin. Well, Data's, data's uh, Felix Caddis poem from Schisms, right there. Considers him his true friend. No, I mean, 
here's the thing. When I thought of data and spot, I didn't go through all the fleshy thought processes that that we went through this evening. No, no, it's a bullshit answer. It's a bullshit example. But data and Jordy. That's better. I was um, gonna be data and Jordy, which I disagree with it being data and Picard. Uh, yes, we've we've talked about this ad nauseum. Yeah. So all right. Well, data and Jordy, definitely they were friends. I mean, all you need to do is go back to uh the binar episode of season one where rikers you know everybody's got shit to do and rikers you know wandering around and trying to see what what he can do before he ends up you know falling in love on the holodeck uh but he walks in and he sees data uh at geordie teaching data how to paint and he kind of has this smirk and like is something something up he's like an, a blind man teaching an android to paint's got to be worth something in somebody's book. So, <laughs> yeah. and who is it that installs the emotion chip? Matt Stardy. Who is it that Data goes to see when he has these weird uh, emotions when fighting the Borg? Jordy. Mm hmm. And Data did implicitly trust Jordy in his judgment on. I mean, basically, Jordy was Data's doctor. In a sense, you know? Jordy was, well, yes, but he was also, in a lot of ways, he was more of a true friend than Picard was, not that Picard was. Picard eventually, I think, took a more of a mentor role. But Jordy started uh, doing that as such, too. Just a mentor on on humanity. Um Picard definitely later became a, a mentor on command, as he should be, um, but also on humanity. In fact, every Riker, Troy, Crusher, even Wesley all helped Data on his journey. Um, but Geordi, they were really friends, you know? Yes. Anytime something would happen in their lives, they would talk about it. Did did was it Jordy that Dana revealed Lol to? Probably. It's been so long since I've seen the offspring. But uh, yeah, that was that's that's a good sci-fi duo right there. Um, we're coming up on uh, we're coming up on our time limit here. Uh, any other last 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 thoughts on any other potential? I mean, there's got I mean, there's bound to be a, a part two to this. By the way, I have one that should be the one we close out on. Londo and Jakar. Oh, damn, you're right. They yes. go from being the worst of enemies to having times of grudging respect and open hostility to, uh, at one point, Jakar kind of takes it upon himself to be Londo's bodyguard um, at the end of towards the end of season four and into season five when Londo is you know named you know soon to be emperor mm -hmm. and Lond and both of them know just how uh, risky it is in the Centauri court so Jakar basically shows up as his bodyguard and just pisses everybody off and they go through that I don't know. It's like it's probably only half a season worth of time where they're a true odd couple of friendliness um, before Londo ends up being sucked down the dark path. And they eventually, at the very end, Londo, who's under control of the rock, you know, drinks a shitload to try to put the rock to sleep. And you know, he says he just has Jakar. He's like, it's time for you to, you got to kill me. 
So Jakar is in the process of strangling him when the keeper, the drug keeper on Londo wakes up and they strangle, basically they strangle each other to death. So. Wait, is that how it ends with them? That's how it ends with them. So, okay, so this is like decades after B5. Yes, but it's before Sheridan passes. So I think it's about 10 years or so, maybe after the end of the series. Um, But when was in the beginning? In the beginning, it takes that, yeah, whenever, I don't remember exactly when it is, but that is, it talks about the beginning of B5, but it's also that that's where the you see them come to their end. Is that when that happens? That when when Londo's uh, reign comes to an end? Basically, yes. Yeah. Okay, but we see this in the series. But it yeah, they do cutbacks and forth because in the beginning okay. it was fil- it was shown I think in between seasons. Okay. It's, it's Babylon Five timelines. You know they're a little wonky. I know it's a little, little, and I don't mean to get stuck in the timeline rather than talk about the the duo, but um, well, re- that, that, I didn't yes. know that that was their end. Yeah. Sorry, didn't mean to spoil it for you. It's only been twenty five ish years. I would have eventually found out eventually. <laughs> but remember, at the very beginning of the series. You know, Londo was kind of on the outs and he got sent to, you know, Babylon 5 as, you know, kind of like Centauri considered a joke. And Jakar, for like most of the first season, was, he was the mustache twirling bad guy. And he was, it was always his plots that were, and and Londo was kind of the lovable loser. But as he starts gaining power and influence with his relationship with Mr. Morden... Uh, <laughs> Mr. <Martin>. It's only <laughs> Veer who gives who keeps any hint of humanity or whatever in in Londo. But as things go and they get to become on equal footing and kind of duking it out in the, the uh, Babylon Five Council, and they're just about to get to that detente, <laughs> right? Right before the Centauri Emperor dies, <laughs> and the yeah. war starts with with the Narn and the Centauri, yeah, and then it gets goes from bad to worse, where Londo is trying to hunt down Jakar, and they can't touch him on the station because he's been given sanctuary, and at, at one or two times he even. Remember, he uses Jakar and the Narn to kill his rival, Lord Rifa, in exchange for a release of, like, whatever it was, a couple of hundred Narn prisoners. And then eventually Jakar gets kidnapped and tortured. The, the Mad Empire Kataja has <laughs> Jakar tortured for Londo's amusement. And <clears throat> what do you think? This is for Londo's amusement, and Londo is just so mortified and horrified about him, and he's like, he can't take any pleasure in this. And he even tells Jakar this, not, not even, he's like, not even at, at the worst of us, I, you know, couldn't. So he uses Jakar to help kill and overthrow Kataja, and then they wipe out the shadow influence on Centauri, and they let, they free non and then kind of Lonto and Jakar, they go to this good-natured bickering before things turn sour at the end. And even though Jakar goes with him for a while, it's, uh, again, as I say that Lonto Malari is one of the most tragic characters in science fiction. Oh, yeah. His, His relationship with Jakar is... One of the most fascinating and rich, especially when they're bickering, even if even at their friendliest, you know, it's it kind of gets that 
uh, Boulder, Boulder Briscoe stuff where they bicker with each other. Mm-hmm. But so much more tragic. And I, I think that's a good duo to end on. That's a great bookend because that... Uh, <laughs> I had no idea that they basically died strangling each other. And wow. I mean, that's po- poetry right there. Good choice. Good choice. Well done. Wow. <laughs> Dang. Whew. I always like to end our podcast on a huh feeling. <laughs> but it is good to end it on an, uh, an epic one. I honestly, I can't think of anything more epic than that. I mean, we'll have to try because there's bound to be a part two on this somewhere, right? Of course. So, wow. We'll, we'll think of some. One. We'll think of some before we go to bed. I'm sure of lying in bed. Yeah. <laughs> like, dang it. Uh. Well, all right. Well, DT. Uh, anything else you'd like to add before we begin the sign off? No. Alright. Well, uh, everyone, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, be sure to follow us on at those sci-fi guys on Twitter. You can reach out to us, those sci-fi guys at uh, gmail.com. Uh, until the next time, our big one-year anniversary, which we'll figure out how we do that. So long, and we'll see you on the high ground, folks. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by Alpha Site Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.